0: Welcome back to Brentwood Stories. Our guest for this episode is Sean Rayner, a photographer who grew up in Bayshore and went to Brentwood High School. His photography encompasses many subjects, from musicians and concerts, to weddings and engagements. His main photography passions, however, are nature and animals, many of which can be found on his Instagram page, located in our show description. His love for photography can be seen in each of his works, and his passion has brought him on many adventures. Hi, Sean. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: My name's Sean, and I run Internal Vision Media. It's a photography company based off of Long Island that I've been running since 2017.
0: All right. Very cool. And you are a local Brentwood person. That I am. Yes. So what was it like growing up for you in Brentwood?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Growing up in Brentwood, it was a great experience. I met a lot of good people here, and I still have a lot of childhood friends that I'm still very close to to this day.
0: All right, very good. And tell us, what are some of your hobbies, Sean?
1: I would say aside from photography, I enjoy watching Marvel movies, going hiking, on adventures, love anime, and just taking photos for fun too, and I'm not working behind the camera.
2: Okay. So is like a dream photography opportunity for you would be like to shoot on a Marvel movie set or something?
1: That would be amazing.
2: So, other than like a Marvel movie, what is? How would you describe your dream project?
1: I would say, um, if I ever were to have a dream project that involved photography, I would love to maybe one day, if possible, maybe work with National Geographic and take photos of animals.
0: That'd be nice.
1: That would be a dream of mine, to be honest with you.
0: Okay, and what's a like goal you have maybe coming up, or a big project you think you have coming up?
1: Um. I know I'm actually gonna be taking photos of the Lamb of God at Coney Island this Friday. Oh, with uh, nice. Switch Engage, so I'm really happy for that one. I'm currently working with uh, the Sound Alive Media Company, so they hooked me up with the press pass, and I'm gonna take some photos for them. Very
0: nice. Okay, and okay, and what was it that moved you towards photography as a passion or a career?
1: It actually started back in 2015 when I got into hiking, exploring all over the island. And I would just start with taking photos of my iPhone. And then my oldest sister, she got a camera and I started toying around with her camera. And then little by little, I got more interested into it until eventually I saved up enough and got my own first camera. I found myself becoming more passionate about it. And everyone around me has been nothing but very loving and supportive of my work. And it kind of just grew from there. So what are some of your photography specialties? Photography specialties, I would say mostly what I do right now is um, weddings, concerts, promotional photos for local businesses or bands. It's all over the spectrum, pretty much.
2: So you said you had a photography business. So what made you start that business?
1: It wasn't intended to be a business at all. It just started by me working with more and more people little by little and getting my name out there and more people liking what I was putting out and coming to me wanting work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really planned, it kind of just happened, to be honest.
2: Okay, so you got your name out there. How did you do that?
1: Well, first I got it by, um, I had a mentor figure, Michael Lamar. He shoots a lot of music videos and photographs. So I work a lot on his music video sets and little by little, you know, I'd have more content to put out there. But then also I would meet the people on his set, such as the artists or the actors or actresses on his sets for the music videos. And, you know, little by little, some of them reach out and go, hey, you know, your guy guy does amazing video work. Do you do photo work on the side, aside from being his behind-the-scenes guy? And it just started out from there. And little by little, started working with more people on the island.
2: So you worked on a video set. How does that translate to photography?
1: It kind of gives you an idea of, like, what lighting should look like in composition, you know? So it really helped put in perspective how things should be framed. Although it's video, still technically the same formula applies to taking photos. It's video, but only still. Okay.
0: So with your photography, what are some of the types of equipment that you use?
1: As of right now, I use a Sony a7 III, and then I have a 50mm lens, f-stop 1.8, 35mm 1.8, and then 85mm 1.8.
0: Well, those are certainly a lot of words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you explain more in depth as to like what these
1: types of things are and what the different parts of, I guess, a camera are? It's a lot to get into, but to simplify it though, um, basically you have different lens sizes. So like the lower you go down the numbers, the wider the lens is going to be. Okay. The wider the frame shot is going to be. The more higher the number, the more zoomed than you are. So let's say, for example, like uh, if you're doing nature photos and you want to take a photo of a fox, you want to have between perfect spot, 300 millimeter or 500 millimeter because okay. you don't to get too close to it. Or if you're shooting a concert, you want to get a really wide shot. Also, being very close to the stage and also give it kind of a fisheye view. You want a lower number, like a, like a 14 millimeter or 20 millimeter or 35 millimeter. Okay. So say someone's trying to get
0: started out in photography. Where would you recommend they get started equipment-wise?
1: I would say um, if you're going to get into it, get the very basic beginner. Make sure before you dive into it because a lot of people get twisted. They think that if they just start out, they should buy all this expensive equipment. I feel like you should start with the bare basics first. Get a feel for it. Work your way around the equipment, all limitations. And if you find that you're very passionate about it, then... Go full send and get whatever equipment you want. Okay. And what would you consider a very basic equipment start? I think a perfect one for a lot of people would either be a Sony uh, a6000. That's a great mirrorless starter. Very affordable. Or uh, the Canon T Rebel series. That's the person I started out with. Oh, okay.
2: So when you're buying the equipment, right? You're saying the lens, like, does brand matter? Or is there certain specifics or criteria you look for when, like, deciding on a lens?
1: Um, sometimes brands can matter a little bit, but, um, in that factor, it's mostly just price range, you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes quality too. Like you could have a third party lens make basically the same one you're looking for, but specific to your brand. Like their Sigma, for example, that's a really good third party camera lens and they make everything very affordable. So you can get a, let's say a 35 millimeter Mm -hmm. lens for them for 600 compared to a Sony 35 millimeter, which is 900. So it's definitely it's still high quality, but it's more affordable. That's how I make it.
0: What would you say like a base starting point price wise would be for someone trying to get into photography like hardcore outside of just taking phone pictures?
1: I would say you can easily get a very good kit for three hundred fifty or four hundred if you're going to go with the Canon T Rebel series. Okay, and that's not too bad for starting a new
0: hobby, especially if you're planning to go really in depth into it. Mm-hmm.
2: Before the camera, would you suggest getting, like, or starting photography with your iPhone? So, like, I went to school for broadcasting, and we did a lot of video work, and my teachers always said, the cameras are so good now on your iPhone, might as well just shoot on that. Do you share the same philosophy, or?
1: At the end of the day, I had a conversation about this on the last podcast I was on. It's funny. I think that a camera is a camera. It's still a tool. I feel like starting off with a phone, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes there's certain things that an actual camera can do that iPhone just can't emulate yet. Give or take ten years, it'll be right neck and neck, but as of now, they're still a few yards behind, but still very good. Do you have any specific
0: examples of things that like you could do with a camera that you wouldn't quite be
1: able to do with your phone camera? As of four years ago, I would say definitely. As of now, they're catching up very quick. They can do focus now on you, they can emulate that. Like if I'm focused on you and the background's blurred out, they can do that on on phones now, which is mind blowing itself. You can adjust your aperture, your shutter speed, all that on your phones now, especially the galaxies. But there's certain things that a camera can do that a phone can't do, you know? just quality wise and being able to do certain specs with it, adjustments and so on, so on. There's always so much you, get, you can emulate right now on phone.
0: Yeah, and I mean also clearly just the quality speaks for itself from high powered camera compared to your phone. But I'd assume, yeah, getting into it would probably be more with the software than anything in a lot of cases too.
1: Would you say that's true? For sure. And I'm not gonna take that away from iPhones because iPhones are still catching up. They are, like phone cameras are coming a long way and I've seen people shoot amazing things with that. Because again, at the end of the day, it's just another tool. Okay, and
0: besides your hardware, what about your software? What kind of software do you tend to use and what could you consider recommending to other photographers out there?
1: Um. Personally, I just use Photoshop. A lot of people like to use Lightroom too. Personally, I like using Photoshop. It's the same thing. You pay, down, you pay $10 a month. It's a bundle deal. I just feel like with Photoshop you have a lot more in depth. It seems a lot more complex. I feel like that's why more people lean towards Lightroom. But I think like once you get a handle of Photoshop itself, as confusing as it looks, I think it's more of a valuable tool with production.
0: Okay. Now I'm a person who, instead of Photoshop, I tend to use a free third-party software called GIMP. Have you ever used any like outside ones that you could possibly recommend as maybe a free tool to start out as?
1: Um, to be honest with you, I have not, but There's no real rules to this stuff, you know? So if you found a third party app like GIMP, if it works for your photos and you're happy with it, that's all that really matters, you know? Okay.
2: So did you teach yourself Photoshop or did you take a class or how did you start using Photoshop?
1: Started off self-taught, but then as time went on, I found mentor figures that guided me through it, not through school, but through directors on music video sets.
0: As for subjects for photography, I know you've brought up music videos and stuff, Uh, What are some of your favorite subjects for photographing?
1: I would say for my favorite subjects, basically anything, to be honest. Anything I find interesting, whether it's animals, people, concerts, really anything on the spectrum that catches my eye. Okay. So let's talk more about, I guess, we'll start with concerts.
0: Uh, Where are some of the better venues where you've had to photograph around?
1: I would say... I mean, I do have to give a lot of credit to uh, Abneyville Music Hall. That's where I'm normally based. A lot of shows go on there, especially since Revolution went under during COVID. Other than that, though, I would say bigger venues I've shot at are Franklin Music Hall in Philadelphia and then Starland Ballroom in New Jersey. Those are all really fun, big venues I do enjoy shooting at. Okay.
0: And for animals and such, we've seen some of your photos uh, we'll talk about in a little bit but when photographing like animals, is there anything in specific that you try to do?
1: For photographing animals, um, I, would, I would say uh, finding a spot on the island where I think that what I'm looking for might be there. Like for example, um, there's a photo of an owl on my Instagram page that I shot. That took me to about three weeks of trying, I would say. There's a nature preserve I found out on the island a guy took me off to and he said if I was looking for an owl, I could find one there. So, for about three weeks, I was walking around the woods. Funny enough, you know, I'm following what I think that I hears an owl during sunset. Turns out, it was a morning dove. Apparently, morning doves sound like owls. Okay. So, I stopped following that sound. But then, as the third week approached, I was walking through the woods during sunset. And I heard an owl hooing. And I followed it. I looked up. I always see a great horned owl. A little chubby guy and I was really static and excited, so I put on my zoom lens, crouched down, looked up the tree and snapped those shots. Yeah,
0: so you said one of your other hobbies was hiking. Yeah. So I guess this really comes into it with like, especially trying to find animals, you could be out there for days and hours looking for stuff.
1: Essentially a real life Pokemon. Yeah. You I said I you
2: this? were looking for an owl, right? So do you go with a specific animal in mind um, like I know my aunt is actually an nature photographer, but she only does animals cause she's like into that or whatever. That's cool. Um, but she goes like specifically looking for one animal, but then she'll just shoot everything she sees. Do you have a similar approach or do you just do it differently?
1: Um, I'll try to look, I'll try to look for one specific animal, but if anything else happens along the way, it catches my eye. That's really cool too. Okay. Where are some of your favorite
0: places to photograph around Brentwood and around the Island?
1: I would say uh, for starters in Brentwood, number one around this area in particular would definitely have to be uh, Pilgrim State Psychiatric Center, the abandoned mental hospital. I feel like uh, there's a lot of history behind that place and also just the eerie sketchiness of it makes for great photos.
0: Yeah, we talked about it previously on our Halloween podcast. I know? now. Uh, that and Camp Hero. That's cool. Yeah. So what about around Long Island? What are some other places that have really caught your eye around here?
1: I would say... Uh, a lot of nature preserves out on the North Shore, around the like Kings Park area, or more out east towards Montauk. A lot of those spots really caught my eye, especially at uh, Sands Point, too, if you're going more out west in the island. Essentially, I feel like um, the North Shore has a lot of spots you can go to and take photos at. Okay.
2: Um, so we talked a little bit about like this kind of software and hardware like um, a photographer just starting out can use. But what advice would you give someone who doesn't know what they're doing? You talked a lot about a mentor. Maybe how did you get that a mentor and how would someone else go about getting one?
1: I would say just figure yourself out, figure out your style, figure out what you like. And maybe you'll come across someone after reaching out to the community and they'll take you under the wing and teach you. I feel like the one most important thing a lot of young photographers should know when they first start out is most important thing is do not get discouraged and do not compare yourself to other artists. I think a lot of people nowadays, when it comes to photography in particular, they get very discouraged because, you know, they'll see other photographers on Instagram with like thousands of followers and thousands of likes, but it's not the real point of it, you know? If that happens along the way, that's cool and all, but like you have to be very passionate about the art, and if that happens, then that will follow. But the most important thing is focus on the art, focus on yourself, don't compare yourself to other people. Okay, and where would you
0: suggest like people look for in like trying to find a mentor, like going out of their way to find one?
1: I would say just get involved in your community, get to know other photographers, other videographers, and you know you might just vibe with one of them who is a few tiers above you, experience wise, and if you're very cool with them, they'll show you the ropes.
0: Yeah, maybe at your local library.
2: That's also possible. Um, So another question I had is we're talking more about, like, your art, right? But you said you also do, I guess, more job-related photography things, like you shoot weddings, stuff like that. Do you still feel like you're shooting art when you do something like that?
1: Yes, 110%, because at the end of the day, for for example, if it's a wedding, that's a photo they're going to share, you know, with their kids or their grandkids. So I feel like that is art still in a sense.
0: Yeah, generational
1: art of, you know
0: your family, and that goes into genealogy and keeping records of your life. Exactly. And a record of your life is art of your life.
1: Yeah.
2: I think one of my favorite things, like, growing up, we would watch my parents' wedding video and then, like, make fun of all our relatives in it. So, like, videography, photos, they're important. Very much.
0: Um, Photography is important to preserving history. So let's move on to talking about some of your specific work. All right, so I'm gonna pull these up. All right, so in talking about history, photographing some abandoned places and things like that, has there been anywhere that you've photographed that no longer exists?
1: Yes, as of recently, there was a abandoned ski resort I went to when I first started photography back in 2017, and they actually tore down recently. I was really devastated about that because I was trying to go back about last summer Then I heard the news online that um, Gross Singer's Resort up in Liberty, New York, that got torn down. So I was pretty bummed out about that one. Yes, but you do have the photos to look back on now. Yeah. So in a way, that preserves
0: history. Right here, uh, we have a photo of yours of Camp Hero, uh, which we've talked about on our previous podcast. Why don't you talk about some of the history of Camp Hero in your own words of like... What you looked for in shooting around there.
1: Well, actually, when I took that shot, I actually got in trouble because there was a do not enter sign in the fence. And I want to get close enough to get that shot, you know. So I walked through the fence and I snapped the shot. I looked to my right at me. There's a police officer walking my way who caught already another person. I looked at him and he's like, what are you doing here? Do you know you're not supposed to be here? And I was like, officer, Yes. I just really wanted a photo of that building. I was not trying to go in; just one photo of the outside. Just want to get close a little bit more, enough. And he's like, "All right, get out of here." So that was a fun experience, but got a good photo out of it. As far as history goes, I know that the show Stranger Things is actually based off this place.
0: Yes, we also talked about that in our previous episode. Ooh, conspiracy episodes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. So the photo, the photographing question that we're talking about. Um, is the radar tower do you know anything about the specific history of the radar tower
1: i've heard uh legends online about how um to run experiments on kids in 1980s how some kids go missing and apparently they're trying to like mind control there or time travel and stuff like that
0: yes i believe the actual history of the radar tower though was that it was uh, to look out for oncoming missiles. Yeah.
2: So before, like, they had um, you know the fancy satellites that they have now, they used the radar to warn citizens of incoming missiles from the Soviet Union. Really? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, also, there was a point where it started randomly moving.
2: Yeah, and there was a lot of reports that people would say when the radar was in use that like people like felt weird and animals would like abandon the woods around it. So. Something with the the fields that it was given off, but you picked a a beautiful piece of history to photograph.
0: Thank you. All right. Let's move on to the next one. All right. So here you have an image of Long Island City, and it's a beautiful shot, which we're going to have uh, alongside the podcast. We're going to have a list of these pictures that we're discussing right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about this photo? So um I took this photo, I believe again, 2017. I remember being the time when I took this one, but uh I drove to Long Island City with my first camera. It's actually taken on with a fifty millimeter lens. And what caught my eye was just the reflection going off the um, skyscrapers. So I sat there for about an hour or two just trying to get the right shot for that.
0: So you would say a lot of patience in photography, correct? For sure. When do you think is usually like the best time to shoot during the day
1: um daytime rule of thumb is always sunrise sunset they call that golden hour because that at that time the sun sits just right if you were to do it during the afternoon you have way too much sun on you and any photo would not look good okay so it's always best to shoot uh either sunrise or sunset
0: and this one looks like it was shot at night. Is this as sunset's happening? This
1: one's actually at uh, nighttime. Just nighttime. Nighttime, yeah. Okay.
2: So this is actually a photo of Long Island City. I don't think I've actually seen, like, a professional photo of Long Island City. I feel like around here, people are usually just taking pictures in New York City. Was there a reason this just struck you?
1: Uh, to be honest, I was just driving around with my camera, and there was a little spot you could park on, and I just really enjoyed the view, so I wanted to capture that moment.
2: Bringing beauty to Long Island City.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, So here we've got two
0: photos of foxes. It looks like one older fox and one younger fox by the North Shore. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about, like, your strategy that went into photographing these.
1: So um, the one on the right, that actually took a long time to get. So the younger fox. Yeah, because um, you're going to really get these shots around, like, between March and now, I'd say, before the pups get way too big. Because they're usually born around March. And you literally have that time frame to get this shot or else they get too big. And still adorable, but not a little puppy fox, you know? Okay, so that's good to know, too, is that, like, knowing a lot
0: about the animals as well comes into this with, like, their patterns. So,
1: for sure, you want to know what time they come out, so foxes normally come out during nighttime, so you want to catch them either sunrise or sunset. You might if you see one during the midday time, chances are they're probably sick and not doing too well, so you kind of want to avoid those, much like raccoons you'd see during daytime. The photo on the left, which yeah, is the older fox. I actually followed that one around for about thirty minutes. That was a really hard one again. that was actually my favorite one I got to this day. Okay,
0: and about how far away would you say you were in both of these shots for the young one and then for the older one?
1: I would say with that one, I was about... uh, I'll say about at least a good solid 30 feet. I was using a 300 millimeter for that one. Okay, so again, something
0: that you can't replicate as well with a phone would be that good zoom.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: So, uh, the next photo we have is from a dam upstate. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about this
1: one? So, the photo of uh, this dam right here is actually a spot my sister showed me upstate where she lives up in Austin County. It's a really beautiful spot. The photo does not do it justice though. You really don't realize how high you are up until you're there in person at the bottom looking up. Yeah, I mean, judging from this, like that bridge, about how far across would you say that bridge is? I would say about, easily about a good 100 feet. But I know the bridge is really tall and actually um, the cars actually drive on that bridge, believe it or not.
0: Yeah. It's a wonder to see it like this too. For sure.
1: But very nice. And then tell us a little bit more about the second portion. So it's actually on the opposite side of the waterfall. So that's coming down the stream, this is going down the opposite end. So it's like a very nice visual looking down from the opposite side.
0: Very cool. All right. So why don't you tell us about some of these concert photos?
1: Okay, so one of my favorite ones is actually a very close-up headshot I got of Lears from uh, August Burns Red. It's a Christian metalcore band. It's really good. I'm sure you know of them. I do not. Really?
2: You've I really don't. You've never heard of them? I've heard of them.
1: I guess I'm old now. <laughs> so so, um, so pretty much what happened was I actually connected with the uh, owner of a venue of called Franklin Music Hall out in Philadelphia. And it was around this time last year. I saw the flyer for the show, so I figured I'd reach out, show my portfolio, and go, "Hey, listen, I will provide content for you the, pro- the following day if I can get press pass for the show." Surely enough, she signed me up and drove all the way to Philadelphia, which that was a funny story in itself. So I was, to, I meant to take the train there. So um, I drive my car to the train station, and as I get out, I grab my camera gear. I lock my keys in my car. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Philadelphia right now. There's a problem when I get back like 2 in the morning. So I ended up taking the train all the way to the city. Then then I found out the train I was supposed to be taking from there to Philadelphia and back. Something happened. It wasn't going to be back in time. So I had to take the train from Manhattan all the way back to Babylon. And then had to break my keys out of my car. Broke them out, immediately hopped right in and went straight to Philadelphia, drove there. And then ended up snapping those shots and, hey, makes for a hell of a story.
0: Yeah, and you have a lot of photography on your Instagram uh, having to do with music. So where do you meet, like, all of these bands and, like, get into these venues to just, like, shoot?
1: To be honest, it's all just hanging out and getting to know people around the shows, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of networking. For sure. It's it's definitely a lot of networking and just making sure you talk to everyone, get to know everyone. You know, if if you're booked to shoot one band in the lineup, stick around, catch the other bands in the lineup, maybe snap some shots to them as well, talk to them after the show and just really get involved with the community. That's the best way to go about it.
2: So you talked about when you went to Philadelphia, you kind of like just messaged the person that owned the venue and like happened to get a press pass. Would you say that that's like a thing that happens very often or is that like a rare thing?
1: Yeah, so normally how people would go about it is uh, you reach out to a media department for a venue and then you would send them your portfolio and if they enjoy your work and like what you can provide, they'll set you up with a press pass. That's normally how it works.
2: Um, so you have a portfolio, right? So uh, is there a certain size of the portfolio you would recommend? How many photos? Do you like dictate the content in your portfolio depending on like, where, like if you're going to send it to a concert, would you only have concert photos?
1: I would say uh, if you're going to send out a portfolio, keep it more within the range of what you're applying for. Mm -hmm.
2: And about how many photos do you think would be a good number to be in a portfolio?
1: I would say the more the better, to be honest.
0: Okay. Uh, So, Sean, let us know. Where can people find more of your work?
1: As far as social media goes, you can only find me on Instagram. You can find me at internal.vision. As far as any other media platforms go, I will have a website coming very soon
2: so those are how to see your photos do you have like a special email or would you like want people to dm you on instagram if they were interested in having you shoot for them
1: absolutely you can either send me an email through internal at gmail.com or you can just shoot me a dm on instagram
0: and hopefully we'll be able to have some of your uh, shots up here in the library soon sounds great thank you for coming thank and you it for having was good me good talking with you sean
1: good talking to you too
2: are you interested in being interviewed on brentwood stories Email adultprograms at brentwoodnylibrary.org for a chance to be featured on the podcast. That's adultprograms at brentwoodnylibrary.org.